1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, January the 27th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1756, composer Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was born in Salzburg, Austria. Today in 1880, Thomas Edison received a patent for his electric incandescent lamp. Today, in 1888, the National Geographic Society was incorporated in Washington, D.C. Today, in 1945, during World War II, Soviet troops liberated the Nazi concentration camps, Auschwitz and Birkenau in Poland. Today, in 1981, President Ronald Reagan and his wife, Nancy, they greeted at the White House the 52 former American hostages released by Iran. You may remember that if you're over 40, uh, Jimmy Carter was trying desperately to get those 52 hostages released because he wanted to take credit for it. And I, I think in fairness to Jimmy, I think he really wanted to get them released for the, their sake and for the sake of our country. But nonetheless, he miserably failed at it. The day, just the day after, the or actually during the inauguration of Ronald Reagan, Iran announced that they would be sending them home. Leadership really does matter. It makes a difference, not only in the visible aspects of leadership, but the, the nuance of leadership. And I think Iran figured out that Reagan was not Carter. We need leadership in America. Today in 2006, Western Union delivered its last telegram, The end of an era. Today in 2010, Apple CEO Steve Jobs unveiled the iPad tablet computer. One year ago today, the Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer confirmed that he would be stepping down from the court later that year. It was interesting how that played out. You may recall this as well. It was leaked and the news media came out announcing that Justice Breyer would be stepping down. He didn't say that. The, the media put it out. Someone leaked that to the media to hurry up his stepping down because they wanted to get him out of the way. It had to be someone favorable to Joe Biden, of course, because Biden had been strongly promising who he would choose to be the next or what kind of person he would choose to be the next, his next nominee to the Supreme Court. He had strongly said, finally, Breyer came out. He said, yeah, yeah, I I actually do. He acted kind of like who's been saying this to the media. But he did come out and confirm that he said, I I do plan to step down and retire this year, later this year. Well, Joe Biden immediately was reassuring the country that he uh, was strongly affirming that he would nominate the first black woman to the Supreme Court to replace Breyer. He declared that such historic representation is long overdue. His nominee, Katanja Brown Jackson, would be confirmed in April. You remember that. It's kind of sad when Martin Luther King's message of racial equality is so disrespected and so diminished. When a president chooses people to the highest court in the land according to the color of their skin, rather than the content of their character and their competency. It's sad, but that's where we are. Merit has no place in America with this leadership. It's not going to enhance America. It's going to undermine the very values, the very principles, the very pillars upon which this nation was founded. Merit has been removed. Equity has been pounded into the hole that it cannot fill. And yet they stumble forward on this whole crazy idea of equity. Equity has to be administered by someone bigger than you and I because it means controlling the outcome of everything so that everybody's outcome is the same. That was the promise that Joe Biden made, and he's delivered on it to the best of his ability. Merit has been put on the shelf. Color of your skin, your sexual behavior, all of these kinds of things are what qualify you for the highest offices in the land. Voting matters. The GOP is voting today, the the, uh, RNC. They, uh, I don't, I don't know how many there are that vote. There's a group of people that vote. I, I haven't spent a lot of time studying it. I mean, I've been following kind of what they're doing. There's like 180 or 100, 188, something like that. <laughs> they're voting today and over the weekend on the uh, RNC chair. Now, Ronna McDaniel. Um, She has been the last, is it two or three terms, she's been the head of that, the the CEO or the, the president or whatever of that. And we haven't had great success with the Republican Party in elections. We were supposed to see this red wave in the midterm election. Well, that didn't happen. I'm not blaming it all on her, but I think a lot of it should fall on her. She's in charge of it. And I think I'm not the only one that feels that way, to be honest with you. Fewer than one in five Republican voters want to see Ronald McDaniel re-elected as chair of the Republican National Committee. Rasmussen Rasmussen, put out a report yesterday, and he's the only pollster that did this. But in his polling, he included Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, because he has said if he were Chosen, he would take that office. He would do that. Nobody's including him on the polling. I'm not saying you know he would be good or bad. I'm just saying that nobody has included him on the polling. And Rasmussen's poll yesterday found that just 15% of likely Republican voters support McDaniel for another term as our RNC chair. Now, keep in mind that most Republicans don't vote on this. There's this group of people, and uh, some of you listening know more about that than I do, and, and I just didn't take the time to look into it that deeply. But anyway, that group is meeting uh, in Southern California somewhere today and over the weekend. But anyway, um, the 30%, McDaniel got 15% on this nationwide Republican voters uh poll that Rasmussen took. Um, 30% of the GOP voters uh, support businessman Mike Lindell. And as I said, no other polls have included his name. 20% support attorney Harmi Dillon. Uh, she's uh, a, a lawyer. She's a Sikh, actually, is her religion. Um, she's pretty articulate. I don't know a lot about her. I see her show up on Fox News quite a bit. They they have her on there, and and she's very articulate and seems to really know what's going on. So there's, there's 20% support for her, 15% don't support any of the three candidates, and 21% said they were undecided. And again, this isn't the people who are voting. This is a, a cross-section of American uh, Republican voters. But it's interesting that... The, the RNC is so out of step at this point with the Republicans, and there's a lot that could be said about that, I'm not going to talk about it much more, but Rasmussen is the only pollster to include Mike Lindell's name on the polling. I would assume that this group will not consider him, although I don't know that, but the vote is taking place today and tomorrow and however long it takes them to come to a conclusion. But I, would think, I, I think it would be a... a horrible mistake to reelect Rona McDaniel for another term, but we'll see what happens. Governor DeSantis said last night that he thinks the GOP definitely, or the RNC definitely, needs new leadership. I could not agree more with that. Move over, Moses. That's what New York City is saying. Moses is outdated. We don't need him anymore. We don't need his laws either that he brought down from the mountain. There's a new golden idol of abortion that's standing on top of the New York City courthouse this month. It's a reminder of the religiosity with which abortion activists defend the mass slaughter of babies in the womb. I've got to tell you about this. You need to know. Most of you listening today don't live in New York City. I understand that. But this statue is called NOW, N-O-W, all capital letters. It also hints at a satanic, a naked, eight-foot-tall, golden woman with braids fashioned into horns coming out of her head as she emerges from this pink lotus. The New York Times featured the new lawgiver. She now sits atop the New York, I, I assume she identifies as a woman, um anyway she, <laughs> oh boy she sets atop the New York City uh, courthouse right beside Moses. Moses of course was given by God the Ten Commandments. He brought them down and distributed them to the people and we have them today. that has been the centerpiece of cultural contract since they were brought down to the people by Moses. No, we got to move him aside because this is the profile of the age in which we live. This artist, um, Sikander is her last name. I think it's Shaza, I think is the way you pronounce her name. She's Pakistani. (laughs) Shaza Sikander. She calls this eight-foot script. She's the one that created this. She calls it the, it's placed on top of the, courthouse. She calls it the, it's a, she says it's an urgent form of resistance. It's interesting that they would use that term that she would, and of course the New York Times and now across the country have picked it up. The New York, the New York Times begins with this in their article. They say, quote, frenzied commuter commuters in New York's Flatiron district have been stopped in their tracks in recent days by an unlikely aberration near Moses, Confucius, and Zoroaster, standing atop the grandiose state courthouse, is a shimmering, golden, eight-foot female sculpt- sculpture emerging from a pink lotus flower and wearing Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's signature lace collar. The now statue also hints at the satanic, they say, a naked golden woman with braids fashioned into horns coming out of her head as she emerges from a pink lotus has a satanic implication. The images used by Satanists and the satanic temple often depict Satan with goat-like horns. End of quote. The horns coming out of this woman looks like the horns of the logo of the satanic temple. I don't know that it was intentional or not, but they do. Andrew Beck, is, uh, he's uh, uh, owns a New York advertising agency. He was driving by and he noticed it. He's with Beck and Stone. And he uh, drew attention to it uh, this week on his Twitter account. I guess he has a lot of followers. He said in New York... A new statue atop a New York City courthouse, he said, the artist says is part of an urgent and necessary cultural reckoning underway as New York reconsiders traditional representations of power in public spaces and recasts civic structures to better reflect 21st century social mores. The New York Times continues, quote, Starring, staring regally ahead with hair braided like spiraling horns, the sculpture in, installed as part of an exhibition that opened last week is the first female to adorn one of the courthouse's ten blints, dominated for more than a century by now-weathered statues representing great lawgivers throughout all the ages, all of them men. This Sikander is 53 years old, the paradigm-busting Pakistani-American, New York Times calls her, Artists behind the work said the sculpture was part of an urgent and necessary cultural reckoning underway as New York, along with cities across the world, reconsider traditional representations of power in public spaces and recast civic structures to better reflect 21st century social mores. End of quote. So according to the New York Times, and according to the general consensus, apparently in New York City, This artist, Sikander, created this eight-foot statue as a homage to the late U.S. Supreme Court justice, an idol of the pro-abortion movement. It recently was installed on top of this courthouse of the Appellate Division, First Department of the Supreme Court of the State of New York in the city. She's a fierce woman, this sculptor says, a form of resistance in a space that has historically been dominated by patriarchal representation. With Ginsburg's death and the reversal of Roe, there was a setback to women's constitutional progress. A 53-year-old artist told the newspaper, The Times, she titled her piece, Now, Because Women's Ability to Have Abortions is at Risk Right Now. This message is not only for New York, but it's for the rest of the country, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But what we're looking at here is a Pakistani in America creating a sculpture that is Satan-like in the female form, put on top of one of the most influential courthouses in New York City. And she is telling the nation that we should put away our old traditions, and she has sculptured this, it's there, and she's getting this massive attention Because she's telling Americans that we need to put away our old values, our old path, and walk down the new path of progressivism, celebrating women. And I love women. I'm married to a woman and have been all of my adult life, practically. Marjorie and I have been married a long time. I love women. I love her. We have daughters. We have granddaughters. Women are tremendous. We could not... Get along without them. But man, is that what this is about? Do you have to be black to be put on the Supreme Court, regardless of your merit or your ability? Do you have to be a woman? Do you have to lean toward Satanism in order to be a leader, to be relevant in today's America? That's what this Pakistani woman is telling us. And people are eating it up, to be honest with you. Not everybody is buying it. This New York City Councilwoman, Vicki Palladino, she's not buying it. She says, was there any public, she uh, tweeted this yesterday, she said, was there any public input whatsoever before a satanic golden Medusa demon with tentacle arms? She sounds like she might have Christian leanings here, but anyway, I don't know who she is. She's a councilwoman, a New York City councilwoman. She said, before a satanic golden Medusa demon with tentacle arms was installed atop a downtown courthouse, she said, who thinks this is okay, and how do we go about removing it? Well, and not everybody's buying the, the brass golden woman with the satanic horns and coming out of a lotus, but many are, unfortunately. And someone from Pakistan is telling us what kind of a moral path we should choose in America? Yeah, she is. That's the problem. Ironically, this Pakistani woman is leading the move to better reflect the United States' 21st century social mores. I suppose if she were here and I would ask her, why are you trying to influence America to some other godless religion, that embraces at least the nuance of Satan. She would say, oh, I'm not leading, I'm just reflecting what's happening in America. Television has done that for years. When television is blamed for any decline in the culture, television always says, quote-unquote, the group of television always says, no, we don't create culture, we reflect culture. I actually spoke at a convention, and it wasn't Christian about that some years ago when I was on television at a network affiliate station, and we had a daily show in the mornings there. I don't know why they did that, but we they did, and it was part of God's plan for my life at that time. But I spoke at this convention. It was associated with the uh, broadcasters association, not the religious, but the secular broadcasters. They asked me to be kind of be the descending voice. I think they thought I would be soft and I would try to identify with them. I was neither. I wasn't soft, and I didn't try to identify with them. But I did say what I felt the Lord wanted me to say to them, and that was the big issue. That was the question that they were debating was, does television create culture? Is television responsible, the content, for taking the, the culture down, or or is it merely a reflection of what's happening in the culture? Obviously, they wanted it to be the reflection of what's happening in the culture because they didn't want to bear the responsibility while they were out there setting the pace and putting in front of kids, this was some time ago, it's still happening, they were putting in front of kids things that kids ought not to see at five years old. They were doing it then, they're doing it more so now. So anyway, I addressed that with, to the best of my ability with some gusto and I uh, rattled a few change. I don't know that I changed television's, you know, historic direction. But nonetheless, I said what I felt like I should say, given the opportunity. It was interesting, and I mentioned it on this program. Vice President Harris gave us a glimpse of what this new messaging, this new America that the Pakistani sculpture is putting before us here, Vice President Harris kind of gave us a glimpse of that as well last Sunday. She was speaking in, at the Women's March rally, an abortion uh, rally in Florida. And she um, she talked about, she was talking about our unalienable rights under the Constitution and so on. She was talking about, she was outraged over the anti-abortion conservatives. And she was talking about, she was quoting from the Declaration of Independence and she was talking about about how we have freedom and we have, you know, the, the right to happiness. And she either purposely or maybe she doesn't even know what that says, what the Declaration of Independence says. But she left out God that's included in that, our creator, and she left out the right to life. Everybody knows that the Declaration of Independence that created America— talks about the right to life. Yes, we have a right to to pursue happiness, but we also have a right to live. That part didn't fit her narrative, so she just kicks it out. It's not surprising that Moses can be moved over because we move God over every day in this this nation, in the culture. Our leaders, our secular progressive, so-called progressive leaders, are always twisting the Bible, or twisting God's word, or simply making God into someone whom he is not. They do this regularly in order to influence a nation that was founded on Christian principles. And that's what this woman is doing, whether it's intentionally or otherwise, or whether she's just seeking success in her trade of making statues. I don't know. I don't know her heart. God knows her heart. But I certainly know what she's doing. And she is suggesting this in a nuanced way. And this statue, the, the city councilwoman, this Vicki Palladino, she wants to know, you know, how do we go about removing it? Well, they're going to remove it because it's going to be traveling from city to city. It'll be in Houston in June, probably on a courthouse. I don't know where it'll be. But they're going to be dragging this, this satanic, demonic woman around, eight-foot-tall, golden, shimmering woman, with this message. And that undermines this the very the very foundations of what our culture is built upon. And more so it it undermines if people are, are drawn into this and they begin to think about it and look into oh, what is this you know, what does this really mean? I mean, it's intentional on their part. And it's going to influence people who are open, maybe looking, needing help, looking for truth, looking for answers. Boy, I'll tell you. Harris said, so we're here today, she said, because we collectively believe and know America is a promise. That's a quote of Obama's. She said, America is a promise. It is a promise of freedom and liberty, not for some, but for all. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. What about the right to life? That doesn't fit the narrative. We don't care what the Founders said. To the secular progressive, the end always justifies the means, because their means is always so noble in their mind. If we can just make America like Pakistan or whatever, then we will have succeeded. That's always the drumbeat. Or make it like Europe, or make it like whatever. Even if it requires misquoting our Founding Fathers. So be it. The Times says it's not the first time this court, the appellate division, has changed the lineup. They've done it before, they said. The New York City court accommodates a Pakistani artist who is denigrating Judeo-Christianity and foreign countries that serve other gods. They apparently have no accommodation for biblical Judeo-Christianity. Move over, Moses. We're making progress. We now have a woman with a satanic innuendo at at best and a satanic presence at worst that represents where we're going in this nation and what we want to do with America. If you ever wonder in your heart, are the people, the left, are they really that committed to dismantling remaking America, as Barack Obama used to say all the time? The answer is yes, they are. They are. Because Satan is a roaring lion. He walks around seeking whom he may devour. That's what we're seeing in a nation that has been so blessed. We have been so prosperous. We have helped so many people. The world has been changed for the better. Because of America. And now all of that is on the chopping block. We cannot continue as the nation that we have been by electing the kinds of people that we're electing. This is not a, by, by the way, those of you who are monitoring the words that we say here, this is not a political statement. It's a spiritual statement. It's a biblical statement. We cannot continue and be the nation we have been with the kind of leadership that we are choosing. We cannot do that. And I'll tell you, the wear and tear on this great nation is beginning to show. With people walking around that are incompetent in their own right, just through age, leading the country, and others right behind him, picking and choosing how they want to present the Declaration of Independence to fit their narrative, their little speech that they give in Tallahassee we need help. what do we do? well James chapter 4 verse 7 gives us the answer. I'm glad you asked now you were thinking that. James 4:7 says submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you how do we resist the devil by submitting ourselves to God thanks for being with me today. It's always a pleasure always a privilege. Thank you for your support. We need it. Have a good weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all
0: the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.